Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot has changed. With more of us working remotely, the way we communicate has had to change too. At Innovate, we're leading that change, partnering with Cisco to bring you WebEx Calling, a complete business phone service in the cloud. With WebEx Calling, your teams can stay connected anywhere, on any device. And with built-in Cisco security, you know you can trust it. For a free consultation, visit innovate.ie. Innovate, the IT solutions people. It's the coldest of cold cases. Five women murdered and mutilated in Victorian London. But trust me, everything you think you know about Jack the Ripper and his victims is wrong. I'm historian Hallie Rubenhold, and when I went back into the records, it became clear that the real story of those murdered women is richer and far more disturbing than we'd ever been told. Listen to Bad Women, The Ripper Retold on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a story that captivated the nation. Two brothers and their sister are on the run from authorities tonight. Three close-knit siblings known as the Doherty Gang go on a 15-state crime spree, evading police for eight days. Police say the trio have a stockpile of weapons, and at least one of them has made it clear he's not afraid to die. They're like modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. Listen to the Doherty Gang every Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So right now we're we're basically we're scouting fires right now or scouting the fire's edge right now because we haven't been in this ground. So we're trying to get a handle of you know what's out here. Kind of the theme of this year since we're so spread thin has been a lot of lot of ground with not a lot of bodies on it. So There helicopter. They're going to come in here and help put water on some of this fire because there's not going to be anybody in this area for a long time. So um, it'll, that bucket ship will help us uh, contain and control the fire till we can get boots on the ground. We begin tonight with the state of emergency in California as historic heat fuels dangerous wildfires. California is hitting a fearsome milestone with roughly two months left in the fire season. Raging wildfires have scorched a record number of acres and killed at least 31 people. Crews working around the clock to get a handle on some of the largest fires in state history. The firestorm exploded across the west as many were sleeping. Ferocious winds fueling massive infernos from California to Washington. This is Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Arielle Zimros. Hey, Arielle, it's Michael Anthony Adams. Uh, I just wanted to let you know where I'm at. I'm in Northern California near the Plumas National Forest where the North Complex fire is burning. We're here getting ready to deploy into the hottest part of this thing with a crew of federal firefighters known as Hot Shots. 
who are literally on the front line battling the wildfires, destroying the West right now. This is the worst fire season in the state's history and the fire we're about to go into has been burning for going on two months. So, um, all right, we'll talk soon and uh, be well. Cheers. Firefighters battling desperately to save thousands of structures up against record high temperatures, lightning strikes and bone dry conditions. So, Michael, I know the wildfires have been wrecking the West. You know, Oregon, Washington State, Colorado and California. Yes. Right now, like as of this recording, more than four million acres have burned in California. And this isn't even close to being over. Thousands of firefighters have been deployed You spent some time on the front line with a crew of wildland firefighters, hotshots. Can you describe who they are? So a hotshot is, the way I've always likened it to, is say you have a soldier in combat. Uh, The hotshots would be compared to, say, a special forces unit. It's kind of like the Green Berets or the Navy SEALs of the fire world. At any one time nationwide, there's between 2,300 and 2,500 hotshots operating. That's that's not a lot. Right. It's not uncommon for hotshot crews to be sent wherever the priorities lie. So that can be either California or, you know, anywhere in the nation, really, that they're needed. Okay, so how'd you get hooked up with this particular crew of hotshots in Northern California? So I spent time with the Hotshots back in 2018. I was back channeling with the El Dorado Hotshots and I'd, you know, gotten a couple beers with the crew and it was apparent that they wanted to tell their story. Um, this year, the new leader of the crew is Ben. And so I wanted to see, you know, what was it like to lead a Hotshot crew during an historic fire season in California, also in the middle of a pandemic. What's up? What's up, Ben? All the homies. Ben grew up in California in a place called Garden Valley. As a young man living in this area, you kind of really only had three options. You'd go do construction, you'd get into logging. He could go into hard labor. Or you become a firefighter for the Forest Service. And so that's what I did, me and one of my, my best friends. And so I got a job with the agency two days after graduating high school. So he's been a hotshot for over half of his 20-year career being a firefighter. And so this bag will contain two weeks' worth of clothes, plus our, our like essential sleeping stuff. So Ben sounds like Bodie from Point Break. All right, let's go. He sounds like he just came off a morning surf to the forest. Hotshots are like asked to do crazy stuff, so we want to fuel our bodies the best we can. He's got this way about him. This is uh, a bandana for... I don't put this over my face for smoke purposes. This is legitimately what I blow my nose in for 14 days straight. It's kind of like that rugged masculinity, I guess you, you could describe it as. And I've used it for 20 years. Same one. He's just a really good-looking guy. I mean, tattoos all over his body, uh, except his face, but everything from the neck down, his whole body is just inked. If they had a hotshot calendar, I'm sure he'd be on the the cover of it. Uh, Mr. January or something. (laughs) 
When you met up with Ben in September, these wildfires are already raging. This isn't his first deployment of the year, right? California is hitting a fearsome milestone with roughly two months left in the fire season. Oh yeah, he's already been at this point on at least five different fires already this year. Raging wildfires have scorched a record number of acres and killed at least 31 people. Before this fire, the crew was on the August Complex fire, which is the largest in California's recorded history. Approaching one million acres. And another sobering stat, the state just hit four million acres burned, doubling the worst year on record with no end in sight. I remember big fires when I first started were like 20,000 acres. And now you have like the top five largest fires we've ever seen. So a hotshot season usually lasts from May to November, but I mean, California's wildfire season, you know, it's a year-long season nowadays. And so when they come on in May, they are running two weeks on, two days off, uh, 16-hour days at minimum. But I mean, just with the intense fire season that we've been seeing the past two, three years, these shifts can go 24 hours. And they don't just do that on one deployment or twice on a deployment. They're doing that back to back to back to back. So I got to ask, what role has climate change played in all of this? So California and the West in general has always experienced wildfires. They've been around for hundreds and thousands of years. What's different today is that these megafires are often the result of human acts in an environment that's drier, uh, higher temperatures, lower humidity, uh, stronger winds, and so out of control. I used to look at all the fires all the time and was constantly uh, almost obsessed with it. So the night before Ben deployed, we got to hang out with Ben, his wife Dina, and their kids. And I kind of pulled Dina aside as she was washing dishes. Um, Now I just kind of, to be honest, it's... To find out more about how she was feeling. Like to even know what state he's in is a good thing. Because they move around so much and all the fires just kind of blend together. She is a hairdresser and works full time while taking care of their two daughters, Madison and Kennedy. Uh, So when he leaves, I become pretty much mom and dad with the kids. Uh, And still, I work full time, so I still go to work. So yeah, it's like becoming a single parent. Ben doesn't get a lot of time with his family for six months out of the year. And, you know, we bring our cameras in and we're there during this very special uh, time, really, that he, it's, it's precious. You want me to turn again? You know, one of the coolest things, I think, is this ritual that, that him and Kennedy have been doing lately, and that's she shaves his head the night before he deploys. Don't forget the sideburns, girl. No, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I got it. Ben is gone for 14 days. He's not showering at all. And that's a long time to have long hair. Mom, can you come and do this, please? There's a spot right here that I can't get. Mama. She's turning some stuff on. Evacuation orders and warnings remain in place. 
Ben has all of his stuff with him. He's ready to load it out into the car. Uh, but before he does, he steals away. I'm going to go say bye to Dina. fire that they've been assigned to is the North Complex Fire, and it's in the Plumas National Forest, which is just about two hours north of Sacramento. At the time, it was 300,000 acres and 70% contained, but this uh, 30% that wasn't contained, a large portion of it was threatening a small community. And so that's what these hotshots were called in for, was to, to make sure that this part of the fire didn't grow into portions of this community where it could take out property and take lives. Seize the day. I think the strange thing about driving to any fire is how ominous it feels. You could be an hour away and the skies are clear, and as soon as you start to get into the fire zone, you can start to see the level of smoke change. And I think it's always such an eerie feeling when the sky gets thick with smoke and then you can't see 50 feet in front of you and then you can't see 20 feet in front of you and then you can't see 10 feet in front of you and then everything turns orange. And it's just a very unsettling feeling to know that everything around you is burning. Okay, so we're pretty much ready to go now. We're going to go to Quincy. The morning briefing before they went out, Ben was waiting to give his crew an update. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was the obvious fatality that happened uh, with a crew member on Big Bear Hotshots. Charlie Morton was one of the captains on that crew, and he was killed uh, in a fire. I mean, 16 wildland firefighters a year on average are killed uh, in a six-month season. And, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot in six months. So we just need to make sure that we're keeping his family in our thoughts, okay? As soon as news like that spreads, their partners are asking them to quit. Everyone knows that fire is a dangerous job, but every time a firefighter dies, it just drives home the reality of the dangers that they're in. Right, these guys are our brothers and sisters that this stuff happens to, it's pretty sad. And it's hard to hear, but it's that time of year where we can start getting a little complacent. And so it's a, it's a good reminder, our number one goal is everybody comes home, right? Plumas Dozer 1 there, and then we can look at... Uh, Let's line it up again. After the briefing, the crew loads up, they put all their gears in their trucks, and they're off. As you approach the area of work, you gather more uh, precise information on what you are going to be dealing with. So people have been fighting this fire for weeks. I'm over here trying to get the plans together, trying to figure out what the next move is for the crew. It was already 70% contained, but it was really going to take, you know, multiple hotshot crews working together to try to, to try to complete the rest of the containment on this fire. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. A little spicy for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of not, it's not, it's not great. it's fine. But it's okay. I think it'd be really good uh, to tie this in Yeah, tonight. okay. 
I have no problem staying up all night. That's not, I'm, I'm not trying to go to bed. I know if, yeah. <laughs> All right, fucking A. I like that shit. Me too, I wanna get it done. I do too. So, DJ is gonna run the burn. He'll pick the people he wants to burn uh, uh, with him, his little burn group. And then two engines are on their way right now from the other side to help us. And uh, it should be a pretty short chunk, like I said, three quarters of a mile, not too big of a deal. They do what's called burn operations or, or prescribed burns, where they're taking, literally taking gasoline and diesel and pouring it on these unburned parts of the land that will eventually burn to make sure that when the fire does come and gets to that spot, it will stop itself. Most fires, this is what we do. Yeah, this is a big, big, big part of what hot shots do is kind of specialize in how to put fire on the ground to slow the fire or stop the fire. So basically, they're burning the fuel before the fire can make use of it. Yes, so that when the fire gets there, it doesn't have anything else to use to grow. Fighting fire with fire. So fighting fire with fire is a very useful tool um, in some circumstances. It can help you keep fires smaller, When you're intentionally setting fire and you're doing it in a large portion of land, you're right there, you know, at the genesis of the fire. So it's hot, embers are blowing all over the place, it's very smoky, it's hard to see 10 feet in front of you if, you know, if you're lucky. And it's crazy because these, these firefighters will go into the middle of the burn so you can look through the flames and you can kind of see people moving around in there and it looks terrifying. It looks like they're walking through Dante's ninth circle or something. You're going on almost 24 hours of being awake. Yeah. And you're just now getting to the point where, you know, you're doing what you're sure. made to do. It really doesn't matter what time it is. You check in with the crew, make sure they're good to go. And if I get a bunch of thumbs up, we're gonna do what we're made to do. You know, get out here and, and do some burning. So what's, what's happening right now? What are your guys? We'll be right back. 
In this season of Unobscured, we will follow Grigory Rasputin's transformation from a peasant at the crossroads of history to a monster at the center of far too many legends. And in the process, learn how he took the weight of a fallen empire with him to the grave. Elite aristocratic society in Russia at the time was fascinated with very spiritualist leaders, with gurus, and there was this desire to seek alternate ways of connecting with reality that traditional religion and the church were unable to explain to people who were seeking answers to sort of these life's questions that seemed to have this pressing urgency right around 1900. Join us as we make our way into the burning palaces of Imperial Russia to dig up the truth about Grigory Rasputin. Unobscured Season 4 is available now. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, it's Allie Wentworth, a middle-aged woman with a lot of questions and a lot of answers I have pulled out of my tush as host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. Can you start with your infamous $19,000 haircut? Yes, and this is a great story I, I feel about mothers and daughters with a dream and an empty bank account. Just a few of our fabulous guests this season are New York Times bestselling author Isabel Gillies, writer and Oprah's favorite life coach Martha Beck, and former editor of People magazine Jess Cagle. If we know intimate details about another person, then that person is socially important to us. Okay, so that's what you like to gossip about. Wait, what do you gossip about? All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers, the founder and chef of the River Cafe in London. River Cafe Table 4 takes us on a food journey around the world with friends like Paul McCartney. John Lennon and I hitchhiked to Paris and we thought, oh, we've got to have a wine experience. We're in France. And we took a sip and thought, that is terrible. It's like vinegar. So join us at River Cafe Table 4 to hear this brand new podcast all about their memories, their travels, and the food they turn to for comfort. Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Michael, you were out in the Plumas National Forest with this hotshot crew for a couple days, and I hear you accidentally fell asleep in your car. I admittedly fell asleep with the crew in the car. It was going on 24 hours we'd been awake and shooting. Our batteries had died. You know, I made the mistake of turning the car on. The heat was blasting, and it just felt so warm. I <laughs> Yes, I, I admit it. I did fall asleep on the job. Thank you for your honesty, Michael. I, I really just wanted to hear that. Um, so what was it like when you finally woke up in the morning? So I've camped many times before, and you wake up and you hear wildlife. That's something that you didn't hear. It was completely silent. You know, it, you step out of the tent and it's cool. The air, you breathe it in, it feels, you know, rather clean. And then you realize that you, you are so close to 
all this land that's been devastated and you can look west or you can look north and see the wall of smoke is still there and you, you kind of forget for a moment where you are. If you guys want to gather around here, I'll just show you on the map real quick, kind of more or less what we got going on. So Ben gets the crew together and he gives them their marching orders for the day. Okay, Mark's going to get you all lined out on the next mission. Firestorm 6 is down there. Just to pass on, they did have a guy get injured yesterday. He fell down a cliff, it sounds like, and, and got some pretty significant burns, but he's doing okay. He's in good spirits and the crew's in good spirits too. And, and so Everyone on this crew knows that this is dangerous work. We've been pushing really hard. We've back to back to back to back rolls, um, one right after another. And it's, it's time to just take that extra step and make sure we're all taking care of each other. Okay. Ben divvies up the jobs for the day. One part of the crew is going to identify snags or dead trees that could fall and kill other firefighters. And as they saw through them, it's amazing because right where the, the chainsaw is eating through the trunk of the tree, fire is just spewing out of it. You know, you see a firefighter in a city, they're mainly using water. Uh, to, to put a fire out. Hot shots are using things like chainsaws, pickaxes, shovels. Hot shots are more like lumberjacks. They're cutting down trees that are literally on fire. Most of the time, these, these trees look normal until you break them open and you see that there's fire all the way up the trunk of the tree. And they call them widow makers for a reason because these trees just will fall and you have seconds, literally seconds, to get out of the way. My God, tree falling, side hill! And then another squad has to go and find these spot fires that have been created from embers that have flown off from the main fire. And they're gonna go chase those down to put those out. Shit, who put you here? I'm gonna be up to my fucking neck before we're out of here. So right now we're, we're basically, we're scouting fires right now, or scouting the fire's edge right now because we haven't been in this ground. Ben and one of his captains have been tasked to go into an area of the fire that um, has been unchecked. It's been uncontained. It's still burning. So we're trying to get a handle of, you know, what's out here. Kind of the theme of this year, since we're so spread thin, has been a lot of, lot of ground with not a lot of bodies on it. And they're going to act as eyes on the ground for these helicopters to drop water on this part of the fire. Just carry a bucket of water. They're going to come in here and help put water on some of this fire because there's not going to be anybody in this area for a long time. So um, it, th that bucket ship will yeah, help us uh, uh, contain and control fire the fire till we can get boots down. on the ground. There your helicopter. Yeah. I'm just waiting to see him so I can give him a flash and get him right here. Six Nine Hotel, El Dorado. So Ben is in the middle of a forest on a walkie-talkie, calling in coordinates to an airship that's buzzing above, a helicopter that's carrying water, calling in, just like you would essentially an airstrike in a war zone. Hey, good morning, I uh, got you loud and clear. All right, that's you kind of flying, turning left right now? Yeah, that's me, yep. I was just, uh, just gonna grab us some water here at the red dip, I guess we're calling it now, then I'll come that way. All right, thanks, ma'am. 
they dip this big bucket that's connected to the helicopter, bring up the water, and they're, and they're shuttling it, you know, sometimes miles away to drop. The helicopter makes multiple trips back and forth. I'll run until, I'll run until it's out, you know? We'll run, we'll run a cycle easy, maybe two or three. I don't care. This definitely needs to be put in check if no one's coming out here, you know? Have the hot shots actually made a difference at this point? Like, have they made a dent in this fire? You can say that some things that they've done have contributed to uh, more containment, but it, it's it's moving by inches. You know, you're talking about little pieces of land, maybe even a, you know, a half a mile or a quarter mile of land that they've been able to secure. As the fire grows larger, it's really hard for them to get any satisfaction in, in their work. And it's kind of soul crushing when you think about it. Mm. You do all of this work and one gust of wind can ruin all of it. So later that day, Ben and I met back up and he started to open up about some of the things that make this job difficult that aren't the physical aspect. So just this chunk of ground that we saw today, normally you might see three to four hotshot crews on that ground. And right now we have one hotshot crew because we don't have the resources. What is contributing to the fact that you're so under-resourced? Well, there's... The fire environment, right? So we have a lot of fires going on. That's one of them. And then I would say uh, lack of folks due to probably retention problems, to be quite honest with you. Um, we don't have enough people to do the amount of firefighting that we need to do. So there's other agencies in California that might not do the same exact work that hotshots do, but they pay a lot better and they can be home with their families more. I mean, when you do this job, you're guaranteed to be gone six months out of the year. I mean, it's going to be hard to kind of balance that, right? Do I, I can be home and make more money and be with my family or I can make less money and be gone for six months out of the year? And uh, a mentor of mine said this to me, and it was bad when we couldn't compete with our uh, cooperators, our local government, our state, and now our power company. And then it was really bad when we couldn't compete with McDonald's. And in recent times, it's, it's really bad when you can't compete with unemployment. So I think those things weigh on people's mind. And then you factor in this is a really dangerous job. People are dying. Wildland firefighters are dying. You know, they're seeing some of the same devastation that soldiers see in combat. And I think that that takes a toll on Ben. It takes a toll on a lot of people. It's, it's hard to cope with those kind of mental stressors on top of a, a physically demanding job. I mean, it's my understanding you're not even getting checked every year for how much smoke you inhale. No, that would be left on our own to do, for sure but they check your hearing. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> They're more concerned about your hearing than they are about the I've, smoke I've inhaling. definitely had more hearing checks than smoke checks, that's for sure. 
By the way, we asked the Forest Service about this, about whether hot shots are checked for smoke inhalation, and they told us that they check them, quote, as needed. This is such an intense job. How does Ben deal with all of this? They keep asking us to do more and more and more. Right. And it's in our blood as people who work as hotshots to step up to the plate and take those challenges on. You're wearing these crews out. And that's when danger comes into play, right? You know, if we have overworked people, it's going to be really hard to accomplish the mission. The shit thing is, is, man, I love this fucking job, dude. Mm. I fucking love this job. Yeah. I cannot picture myself doing anything else. The amount of purpose that it provides me is, is so powerful to me. So this fire that they have been working on, did they put it out? Is it still burning? Yeah, so there were still standing evacuation orders, mandatory evacuation orders uh, for communities that were close to where the hotshots were working. What happens if you weren't here, your guys aren't here, there's no more hotshots anymore, type 2, type 1 crews disappear? What happens to California in that scenario? Man, that is a scary thing to think about. I would assume bigger fires and probably more people getting hurt. So, I mean, the stakes are still high and they continue to be high until the fire is at 100% containment. It's kind of like a multitude of different things. You legitimately have a changing of climate. I think it's pretty hard to ignore that. We're just seeing these, what people are calling kind of mega fires. And then we just get spread very thin <laughs> trying to trying to stop them. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, Mother Nature's gonna win. It's gonna reset itself whether we like it or not, you know? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows Romeo's serves some of the best fish and chips in Ireland. But did you know that our pizzas are just as tasty too? Hand-rolled, stone-baked, and covered in fresh mozzarella. No wonder our Big Five deal is so popular. Romeo's 12-inch margarita pizza, five chicken goujons, three onion rings, chips, and a choice of dip for just $12.95. Order now on the app or romeos.ie. The Big Five, just $12.95. Romeo's, ready when you are. 
There's so much going on in Latin America. In Colombia, demonstrations against proposed tax reforms have turned into countrywide protests. It can be confusing. Health authorities across Latin America are battling a rise in coronavirus infections. That's where El Hilo, a Spanish-language podcast from Radio Ambulante Studios and Vice News, comes in. Cuando un edificio se cae, no perdona. Cuando tú vives en una dictadura, ¿qué opciones tienes si eres oposición? O la cárcel o el exilio. Listen to El Hilo every Friday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So I can throw parties again. <laughs> so I can go to her parties. <laughs> It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change. So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Special thanks to Michael Anthony Adams and Roberto Daza, who reported this piece. And check out the Vice News YouTube to see some of the footage of their time with the hotshots. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cottrell, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan and Sophie Casas. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is Senior Production Manager for Vice Audio. Production Coordination by Steph Brown. From iHeart Executive Producer Mangesh Hatikador and Senior Producer Nikki Etor. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Legal Review by Yoni Berkovitz. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. Production Coordination Assistance from Tarasai Gombe. Security by Rami Galli and Sharbil Namor. I'm Ariel Demaras. I know podcast hosts say this constantly, but for real, please rate and review this podcast. It really helps other people find the show. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach the VNR team by emailing us at vicenewsreports at vice.com. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday in all the places that you get your podcasts. Value suppliers won an amazing 83 awards at this year's prestigious Blossna Heron Awards. Epic! Like Super Value Irish Rotisserie Chicken by Carton Brothers with a gold award. And our Food Academy producer, Wildabout, winning the Supreme Champion Award. See supervalue.ie for our full range of winners. That's winning with Super Value. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are extremely cool and chill, if I do say so myself. In our new podcast, How Did We Get Weird?, we'll talk about our favorite snacks, shows, and obsessions from growing up with some of your favorite comedians, musicians, and other A list celebrities. Sorry, we're major. Listen to How Did We Get Weird from Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? 
Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.